Zoom is Zoom so much fun. Hey everyone, welcome to Yeah But the Podcast. My name is Vivian Gabor, and I'm sitting down with two old friends of mine, uh, Ricky and Johnny Donovan. Hello, you two. Hello, hey. hello. <laughs> How's it going? Good. It's a beautiful day. Great. Uh, we're just in quarantine. <laughs> Good old quarantine. Where it's yeah. way too hot to be outside, but also the heat just gathers inside, and it's oh my gosh, so it terrible. does so bad. <laughs> Sorry for any white noise in the background. I have two fans on me right now, <laughs> just trying to stay <laughs> cooled down. You're in New York. We've actually been riding our yeah. bike. Yeah. Ooh, come on, biking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am in New York. It's humid AF. Where, uh, well, I was going to say, where are you guys? But you guys don't necessarily want to say where you are, so I'm not going to force that. Oh, in. no, we actually, we're totally fine <laughs> talking about where we are. Okay. <laughs> we're in Boise. <laughs> Ooh, come on, Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever been to Boise once in my life. It was a very long time ago. But my grandparents live in Lewiston, so, well, my grandma, it's weird not saying grandparents, but my grandma lives oh, in Lewiston. That's, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty great here, though. Um, pretty warm. Been on our bikes, like I said. We just got new ones. It's been awesome. Nice. Very nice. Well, I asked the two of you here just because we, I don't think we've ever gotten a chance to, like, sit down and actually, like, talk about, like, actual things and, like, um, I feel like the only times we've seen each other, like at clubs and at bars, like we met at Riches and San Oh, coffee Diego. one time too. Coffee, yes, we got coffee um, in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. But definitely, just yeah. I was thinking through people that I was like, who have I not talked to in a long time that I would love to love <laughs> to have a chat with on the podcast? And I immediately was like, oh my god, I need to talk to those two. So welcome! I'm so glad you're here. We're glad to be here. Yeah, we're we're super excited to to chat with you too because we've always felt good vibes from the first time that we met you at Rich's. <laughs> the first time we met when I was like six rum and cokes in and had already made out <laughs> with like ten people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that Vivian. Yeah, it was it was it was a great time, and I'm totally I totally in complete makeup right now big hair gown everything. <laughs> beautiful um we all are so, yeah we all look absolutely <laughs> stunning um i have never seen the two of them look better <laughs> um, <laughs> um so i was just the the tone of the podcast has changed recently because it was getting a little like 
too out there and like too much just like I'm gonna have a conversation and record it and see what happens um and so we I focused the podcast in on like um basically queer stories of triumph and how we as queer people get put in situations where we have to work our way out of them um and when I talked to you two previously you said that you had some experiences that you um, had gone through that had kind of made you, made you stronger, that um, brought you to where you are now. And so I thought we could talk about those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely, like, um, separately, yes, we've definitely had our um, share of trials and, like, tribulations and all that. But, like, together, we've, I mean, we've been together for six years almost. Wow. So we've gone through quite a bit, quite a bit of things um that i mean i'm sure you you've you've heard of some of them but there are some other ones that i don't think a lot of people have really heard about so it's well, great to talk about those things. now's the time to talk about them <laughs> yeah babe do you want to start well i mean are you talking about the this what started off us off in the porn industry or things that yeah. happened before that well like, i mean there's well, like we have like my brain surgery and your um brother's cancer and then wow. and, like, <laughs> We want to talk about specific yeah. queer, queer specific experiences, right? I mean, whatever experiences have just kind of made you you. Um, I will. Mm. I'll let my audience know right now. Like the two of you um, have done. You've done porn. You've been both on the studio side of it and the the OnlyFans side of it. Correct. That's right. Yeah, we started yeah, we've kind of seen a lot of things and. Um, I think that's actually why we met was because you were down in San Diego filming. Um, and so, uh, so you guys have a lot of, a lot of interesting stories and in a lot of places that you've been. Yeah. So I guess if you're going to define it like that though, we, um, a story I like to talk about um, that gives, I guess gives a lot of shape to who we are as a, as a gay couple, but also has made me who I am really as a gay man. Um, when I started dating Ricky, um, I hadn't been with a lot of partners. He's probably the third guy I dated. Um, and um, I was not really comfortable being out and noticeably gay in public. I thought, you know, the more you can um, hide that from the world, the better off you're gonna be. Like, we don't get to choose to be gay, but we get to choose how people view us, you know? And so, had that whole toxic idea of that, of this, like, you know, if I'm holding hands with him in public or if I grab his ass or I do something, you know, that a lot of, I felt fine to do with women. If I did them in public with him, then it's going to make people uncomfortable and I would hate to make them all feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's fair. But, and that's also probably has to do a little with where you were living at the time as well. Yeah, we did. We met here in Idaho. Before Idaho, before Boise, I lived in Missoula, Montana, so it wasn't like a lot better. Before that, I lived in um, Northern <laughs> California, like the small little town in Northern California. Mm. Um, and I remember one day we were walking across the street by the Capitol in Boise. This was not very long after we were after we started dating, and um, he wanted to hold my hand crossing the street and it was just like the middle of the day. Like, and I, we held hands for a little bit, but I, I like, I noticed I was sweating and my heart rate increased and I had to like <laughs> stop holding his hand. And he was, yeah, I used to it. always, I used to always say, um, look, babe, they're looking at us. They're like staring at us. And he's like, 
yeah, because we're a gay couple. And I'm like, no, it's because we're interracial. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like we'd make like, little jokes here and there about like, no, they're looking at this. They're not looking at us because we're gay, obviously. <laughs> they don't care about that. They care more about the racial stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you never know. <laughs> that, I know, that, right? I'm, that perspective that or, Isaac had really was better for me, though, because then it was like, I don't mind being in an interracial relationship. I've thought about that my entire life, you know, the thought of making people uncomfortable. And I, I thought, you know, at the time, like, I don't think people really worry about interracial couples as much as gay couples, you know, it's more, it's more obvious, it's more hated, mm -hmm. but, um, and so that's where I was at that time. We go most dating and, um, I remember having to get more comfortable and more and more and more comfortable, like as our relationship went on, just with little things like that, like needing to hold hands. And then it all culminated. At, um, I think it was last year. It was probably five after about four years together. Um, we were at Lagoon. Um, we went to Lagoon for a family family. It's a Lagoon is a, is a family like water park slash theme park in, uh, just North of Salt Lake city, Utah. Okay. Um, so it's kind of close. Yeah. Kind of close to where we are here in Boise. Um, and we went there and yeah, it was, the hate was palpable. Like the looks that we got, the way it was like, okay, little Johnny, you know, five years ago, you are worried about maybe making a couple people uncomfortable. Like here is an entire park full of people who hate you and are, are visibly showing you how much they hate you. They're looking at you, oh. scoffing at you, calling you names, all these things. Pointing. And we had to, yeah, just like like blatant pointing so yeah, i think crazy. you can i ricky you can tell talk a little bit more about that experience shed some light on like what what all we went through there that was like the low yeah so um we like all gays when we're going to like a water park going to like any sort of like outdoor outing falls water we're gonna wear a speedo or we're gonna wear some short shorts <laughs> that are like water appropriate yeah that's what you do um any Anyway, I didn't think any it was that bad. It was like mid. We were both wearing shorts that were like mid um, quad, and then uh -huh. um, and it was from our friend Yosisko's um, underwear line. And mm -hmm. so we were walking around in that, and we were walking around um, in tank tops that are like the um, stringer tank tops, mm -hmm. showing lots of body, which people in Utah are not used to. <laughs> and we, I talk the way that I talk. I walk the way that I walk. I can't hide a lot of things about myself. So um, these people were, and I love. I I don't mind showing my love for um, Johnny anywhere. I yeah. think that like that's like our right to do that as a couple. And so I was holding his hand. We he I was asking him to put lotion on me. I was putting lotion on him. And there are kids that were like pointing at us and like scoffing and staring. And it's so like. It, I go through a lot of that because I wear a lot of crazy stuff all the time here in Boise, Idaho, and I mm -hmm. love it, but it was like, it was, it was so intense there. And I was so upset because we had um, Johnny's niece and nephew with us and they were the ones that were like noticing a lot of the things that we weren't noticing mm -hmm. and they're like getting really upset. So it took it on a, to a different level, but I, I'm okay with being uncomfortable by the way that you're treating me, but I'm not okay with my family feeling uncomfortable by the way yeah, you're treating me. Yeah. I often yeah, find and it that, was like, oh, yeah. I, was, I was just gonna say, I often find that it's the people that I'm with that notice that kind of stuff because I've had to deal with so much of it that I just kind of tune it out and don't notice it really anymore. Both with like yeah. being right. gay and being fat, like 
there's all sorts of I get lots of stares, lots of points, lots of like people laughing and stuff like that. So you start to kind of just block it out. And but when you're yeah. with family or with other people and they start to notice that, it definitely um makes you feel bad and makes you not want them to be uncomfortable. Yeah, and it was yeah. um I think for me like like I was saying it, uh, it was sort of a journey of like discovering that it's okay to make other people feel uncomfortable up until that moment and I, I feel like at that that was like kind of I called it the culmination or maybe the low point if however whichever way you want to look at it but it was when I realized that nobody else cares about how they're making me feel like mm -hmm. all these people are out here pointing saying names like being visibly upset laughing with laughing and looking over taking taking pictures and video of us like like it's not oh obvious. my god yes <laughs> and um Kevin Shoulder, doing all of that, or, uh, Johnny Soldier check the actual doing and they're just doing the absolute most and it's um to, to specifically make me feel uncomfortable yeah. and I felt bad about just holding my partner's hand and that how that's going to make people feel uncomfortable and so now after that moment it was like okay you know I was getting better at like not and at being okay with just doing things that made me feel like made me feel love or whatever and whoever's around but now I, it's like full on balls to the wall. I don't care if I feel like doing something, I'm just going to do it because obviously you don't care and you're going to go out of your way to make somebody else feel bad for themselves anyway. So I might as well make you feel uncomfortable and change your worldview a little bit right now anyway. Yeah, I completely so, agree. That was a triumph. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going out of our way to do something to make somebody feel uncomfortable that's going to bring harm to them or anything. We're just going to live our life without any, like, mm -hmm. without any, like, care for anybody else's comfortability level like if i'm doing something that i love that isn't hurting somebody else then i should be totally fine yeah absolutely i've noticed that too of like it's it's that weird idea of like matching energy with people and when people when you match other people's energy when they're like pointing things out or like um singling you out and making you feel bad and you just are like cool then i'm gonna just be myself and go for it people get really angry and it's very strange to me <laughs> yeah it's like the the vixen quote that you like ricky yeah it's a, um that i think she said something like everybody's telling me how to act how to react but nobody's telling her how to act exactly yeah yeah like everybody's getting mad at me for my reactions but nobody's taking account or being accountable for their actions yeah mm -hmm. well and it's i something I've been learning a lot recently too is if you're ever the first person to notice something if you're the one that says that you've noticed something you're the one that faces the biggest backlash and then people that yeah. come come later like month or two months or even a year down the line and say the exact same thing don't get that backlash because pe it's already on people's minds at that point it's it's right a tough thing to yeah. deal with and I can yeah, imagine that's, a, that's funny that that's how I'm sure the victim feels because she's a, a good friend of ours and um, she's been balls to the walls against racism, fighting the fight oh, yeah. in Chicago. And now it's the cool thing to do. And so everybody's being accepted when she was seen as like a big, uh, like a really bad person for and like a, yeah. an angry black woman. Oh yeah. yeah. Watching her it's season, nice. watching her reunion just makes me so mad because I'm just like, why does no one see what's going on here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see it with a lot of yeah. people in the gay community too, um, in, or gay in, in adult entertainment. Like mm -hmm. when one guy wants to stand up for um, inequality of like 
performers and stuff and somebody sees that and then like there's you know pay, pay guys top and bottom gay for pay guys who feel like they should get paid more because of you know that they are it's not something that they're naturally attracted to or whatever so they feel like their worth is higher and all this like the first person to come out and say that really got ridiculed like mm. no you know fuck you you're just a gay for pay model you don't deserve any more but then after a while other people other gay people started getting in the industry and it became toxic you know and then it became cancel culture like canceled gay for pay and now it's you know oh that argument's cool now but that guy who started that argument still gets ridiculed to this day for being over the top dramatic let you know yeah and sucks yeah. Meanwhile, the really famous guys who come out as being super racist are still working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like yeah. as if publicity works. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, my favorite one that the porn stars like to argue about is the top saying that they should get paid more than the bottom because they're doing more of the work. That's so stupid. Wait, me. what? The tops are saying yes. that? The tops yeah. in the industry think that they should get paid. If you specific one i don't really want to say his name but he is um a i think he's gay for pay and he yeah, the, is the top strict top and he thinks that he should get paid more than bottoms because if because it take all the bottom is doing is take laying there and taking it and he likes it anyway <laughs> except yeah. for all of the you know like prep work the and stuff hours like that. of prep yeah. I yeah. know the it's like when people things. want you to do drag and they're like it's just it's just a tip spot well, it's going to be fine it's like yeah. so the like 4 hours minutes, ahead so of time matter. like <laughs> exactly yeah Ugh. so speaking of which how did you two get into porn yeah i was going to say uh, the, long the one. first story <laughs> i talked about actually segues into that well because that was kind of like the joke that I that Rick talked about with um oh they're not staring look at all the people staring at us because we're interracial you know and that like eased my tension of like oh they don't care that we're gay you know that was a joke five years ago and now um uh, looking back at the last <laughs> five years together we've noticed that actually no it wasn't like people really do treat him a lot differently than myself and um we've experienced that in a lot of different ways but one of a really crazy one that uh, it would be a big triumph i'd say in our life which seems like seemed like it was a tragedy was going through like the idaho judicial system or whatever like we got yeah. we Boise getting, system, yeah. yeah we ended up getting of somebody else who got into a fight when we were in the same neighborhood we were walking down the street and um i'll break it down basically i'll break down the story or let Ricky do that because he's pretty he's got a pretty concise way of telling it <laughs> you can tell, you can tell him. just like the breakdown of how that all happened yeah and then we can talk about like how, how we had to get through it so what was we got so we were at the pizza place yeah so we were um we were at this pizza place after a night of drinking and um we were going through the line and the person behind us hit somebody <clears throat> and I didn't even know anything was going on so I go and I get my pizza, and as I'm, we're both going to exit, um, Johnny and I, this girl stops us, and she starts, like, pushing us. And at the time, I was bodybuilding, and Johnny is always, like, really buff. And this <laughs> little girl, this she's not a little girl. She was, like, a, I think she's, like, 28 years old. She was, like, six. No, she was five foot, like, four, five foot five short. She was, like, pushing us back, and she was actually getting us to, like, push back a couple steps. 
And I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to get out of here. Like I'm leaving. And <clears throat> finally, um, she after she pushed me like four times, I grabbed her by the side of her um, neck and her shoulder. And I moved her over so that I can walk by her. Mm-hmm. And um, I walked by Johnny passed her. She flipped his pizza. I turned around, started getting in her face. Johnny picked me up, walked me outside, like physically took me out of the situation. And then after that, I was like, you know, <laughs> fuck that girl. We can, I can share my pizza with you. And so we walked down the street. We're like, let's go get an Uber, but let's go away from the big crowd because it was a holiday weekend. And mm-hmm. so we were trying to get away from the crowd so we could get the Uber. And these cops stopped us when we were like a block and a half away from that, that situation. Apparently, somebody had called the cops because of the fight. And she was the girl. She was a friend of the guy that got hit. Okay. And she would thought that we were the ones that did it. So she was trying to keep us in the pizza place until the cops got there. <clears throat> so, but she tells that she told the cops that I hit her, um, that I, she said that I hit her. And then, so anyway, we were down the street, the cops stop us. Um, I don't really say much other than like, I was just trying to get my pizza and go home. And then the cops, um, got us to start walking back with them and johnny tried to take his I- they had taken our ids and johnny was like hey um can i have my id back because you've already checked my name and i'm cleared obviously like i don't have anything like that's my id i want it mm-hmm. then the cop was like no you can get it back when we're done with you and so anyway um we start to walk johnny turns around and the he sees his id clipped to the guy's um chest and he like is a ninja about it and like swiftly gra- grabs his um, ID <laughs> and then the cop freaked out on him, took him down and knocked him out. <clears throat> and this whole time I'm like there watching this happen, like a step in front of him. So I take a couple of steps to try to go towards him. And um, the cop tells me to like step back. And I'm like, I'm just trying to find, figure out what's going on with my boyfriend. And he takes me, then I take another step forward and he takes me, he takes me down. And as he's taking me down, he's telling me to stop reaching for his gun. And I wasn't reaching for his gun. I was like, my hands were in front of me um, the whole time. And then like, he walks me, yeah, he walks me to his cop car. And as he's putting me, or as he's walking me to his cop car, he's telling me, um, if you try to grab for my gun again, you're going to get it. And then he puts me in there. Doesn't they don't talk to me ever again after that? But they bring that girl over to the side of uh, my my window, and um, she he like flashed a, a flashlight in my window to um, for her to identify me, which is illegal. Um, and then she they de-escalated Kevin or Johnny, and they take so me the to whole, the police yeah, station. I, don't even, I didn't know what was going on at all. Like I was just like. We're, we were just walking, they took him down, and now I'm going to jail, and I don't even know why I'm going to jail. So I go through yeah, all the so bookings, they... and then I wait for Johnny, and then, um, do you want to tell him what you um, went through, Ben? Yeah, I wanted to say, so like basically when they separated us, um, it was it was like, that's when everything got really weird for 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 me, well, for Ricky, because like they had uh, what two charges against me like he said battery on an officer because i reached for his id 
um, and then just um, resisting and obstructing a police investigation. Um, and and we found out later that the resisting they give everybody resisting and obstructing because it's a catch-all like they can like literally make it for about anything so when everything is done like if we go through court and everything they know they'll at least have that on us and it doesn't look yep. so bad that they just like gave us charges for nothing um but all i got was those two and they had the two two female police officers come and de-escalate me it took them a while probably like 20 to 30 minutes to get me to just stop screaming about where the fuck is my boyfriend and why is this happening? What the hell is happening? What did I do? And um, so they explained to me my charges and I'm like, why? Because I, I grabbed my ID from him and they said, yes, you can't touch an officer. Okay, well, he was like all over me. So you can just yeah. say that I was already touching him. And um, so then I'm like, so they tell me his charges. They tell me all three of his felonies. He had battery on that girl because she, that's what she told him. It was him that hit her or something. And then he had battery on the officer and resi resisting or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, resisting. Yeah, resisting, obstructing an, an investigation. Yeah, investigation. But we found out in the footage later that girl did not accuse him of hitting her. They coerced her into saying that she hit him. They they used leading questions to get her to say that he he actually punched her, and she said nothing like that. But they yeah. kept they kept leading her into saying it, and finally she did. She's like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, okay, yeah." He punched me, and then they <laughs> like even like vocally, like on camera, say, "Well, it looks like right right now, it looks like we're just harassing these two guys. So we need a witness to come forward. So we need you oh. to be our witness." Oh, and first of all, the only reason they followed us is because she said <laughs> it was it was two gay guys, a Mexican, uh, wearing a white shirt, and his friend. And um, he was he was wearing a red flannel shirt, but he had a white shirt underneath of it. So apparently that was enough to make to make him the, the culprit they were looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so then we go into holding and still same thing. They won't read him his rights. They don't tell him his charges. They tell me everything again. Like they finally read me my rights. They never read me my rights until I got into holding. And then we go and we take the pictures and everything. And then we go sit in holding. I was waiting. Like... Yeah, we were waiting. To get, uh, <laughs> A, tick, a call or whatever to try to get bail and they would let me sit on the floor but the second he sat on the floor they would tell him to get off the floor they would they were just kind of yelling yeah, at him super, just being it was super late at night time. it wasn't like he wasn't sitting on the floor he was um i was sitting on the um on a chair and he was sleeping on the floor right next to me and i was like take a quick nap like i'm gonna say i'll just stay up and i'll just like watch out for you and then we can switch out in 30 minutes so his 30 minutes was up and he got up and he let me, he was like, okay, now it's your turn to lay down. The second that I laid down, they're like, get off the floor. It was yeah. nuts. Yeah. And oh. then we ended up getting out of there with, I think, I don't know what our bail was like, I don't remember, $5,000 or something or. I don't no. remember, but. Oh, no, I think our bail was another thing, like 500. But. A good thing oh, to point to was that, um, or something to make a good point about too is that I didn't know anything until he got in through um, to the booking area. I was fully booked. He was going through booking and then he walked through. He's like, yeah, you have three felonies. I was like, oh, thanks for the information, babe. Yeah. It would be nice to get it from one of these cops. God. Yeah, they were crazy in that whole situation. It would definitely expose the corruption of the, of the Boise City Police. Um, I'm sure it's a lot worse everywhere else, but that was bad. But they, 
we also like I got a public defender because I didn't make enough money, but he made too much, so he couldn't get a public defender. So we had to hire a private attorney. Turns out that was the way to go because my public defender was just every step of the way trying to get me to just agree to all the charges. And I'm like, yeah. no, you can see, like, we know that none of this happened. She wouldn't even wait to get the footage. Um, finally, yeah, I, like, she didn't even try footage. to get any of the footage. Yeah, no, that's what yeah. public defenders try to do. They just they're wanting to just get money out of people <laughs> basically uh, yeah and that's what we found out and our our private attorney we hired um his wife was the she's like leads the prosecuting attorneys at in the area so he like the public told us defender. all about that public, public defenders i was public defenders yeah so he told us all about yeah all she of was that. the manager like, yeah. of the public defenders she's like they're not going to help you much um but we'll get the tapes for you and everything and um the, that helped us the most that was that's what made him able to get off on all three of the felony charges. I ended up having to accept the disturb this disruption disruption or whatever one, but I had my one get out of jail free card that everybody gets the withheld judgment or whatever. So I used that unfortunately, even though I didn't do anything. And um we we had we all of a sudden had like five thousand dollars we owed to the lawyer and then more fees coming from the courts. And we were kind of on a shoestring budget at the time anyway. Um, yeah, and I had just so finished we were... dental hygiene school, and I was just starting my first career. Like, I was so afraid. One, like, now I'm still traumatized from cops. Like, I am so afraid now of cops, because before I was, I used to be, like, support, or whenever I see, like, anything that was calling cops out, I'd be like, well, we don't know the full story. There's a part of the video that we're probably not seeing. But now I, like, I, after going through it myself, I understand how sometimes it is just like that, as what, like what you see in those videos. Yeah sometimes that can't happen sometimes nothing comes before that oh yeah like, yeah and so like now like that was super traumatizing but i was really afraid of losing my dental hygiene license i did not mm. i worked so hard to get that and i just was so afraid that something was going to happen so yeah. i was able to get off on all the charges but my lawyer um all the prosecutors were trying to bully me into taking a plea on Every something step of the way. and i was like no let's take it to trial let's take a trial and they we like, saw okay, the we'll, footage we'll yeah to, there's no reason yeah, to take we, a plea deal on that <laughs> yeah i saw the footage and i was like mm, no thank you i'm never never in my life will i take a, a plea deal because i see and it's bullshit yeah and so off and all that but it, and it was great but we um in order to get the money for the lawyer we I had a really good friend here in Boise that was in the porn industry, and he um, knew that we were trying to figure out a quick way to make some money, and he suggested that we get into the porn industry, and so he he set us up with the recruiters that um, that work for MindGeek, which MindGeek owns um, SeanCody.com, Men.com, and um, like a couple site. of other like straight yeah. porn, like basically <laughs> every porn site out there right now, MindGeek owns it. And so they actually, they, the recruiter from there put us into Sean Cody. Okay. Yeah. And we were able to get that full retainer fee and everything and like, like how, and like in a weekend and like got a lot of other things taken care of in one weekend of work. And then we were, and then we were addicted. We're like, holy shit, that was way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait, was that the, was that the weekend that I <laughs> met you or had you guys already, was that like your second or third trip down there? I feel like they may have been the no. first weekend. Uh, who did we meet you with? Did you also meet Bryson? Yes. That weekend? 
Yeah, no, Yo, that was like okay, yeah, yeah, third, no. third time out. Okay. <laughs> I was about to be like, I love those, how fortunate. Um, yeah, I was like, great, great. <laughs> I missed the circus circus. Circus, cir- circus, circus, stripper circus, circus. <laughs> stripper circus. circus. It was such a fun show, and they aren't, they don't happen anymore. I miss that. I know. I know. So I went to the last one actually. Oh yeah, I wish oh, I could yeah. have. I was already out here by that. No, no, I was up in Seattle. No, was I? I don't remember. No, that was two years ago, I think. So I think I was getting ready for moving over here, so I wasn't able to go down. Uh, you were moving. <laughs> But now I'm moving to LA, so, so that it's was all gonna lot. be fine. <laughs> all right, oh, we, we might be in Las Vegas, so we won't be that far. Yay, that'd be amazing. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that <laughs> that's a it's crazy. A lot to digest, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it obviously is backed up by a lot of what's going on right now, and just kind of speaks to the fact that this has been going on for a long time. Yeah, uh, three years at least for us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that situation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And people are always wondering, like, why I'm so anti-cop. And I'm like, well, I grew up in Seattle. Like, (laughs) it was was an odd week if you didn't hear about random homeless people getting (laughs) shot by cops. Like, I I just grew up knowing they were And I'm... What was that? Did you hear about the whole thing with um, supposedly people in Portland being picked up by cops? Yeah, and I saw uh, maybe a girl posted a video of like watching someone getting abducted and like trying to say something about like not doing it. I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I mean, especially as someone, and you guys can attest to this, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, like Idaho is technically part of the Pacific Northwest. Like, People are always like, yeah. oh, it's so liberal out there and you guys must be so happy, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not the in any way, shape, or form. Here. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the condensed city areas, but the Pacific Northwest is, Northwest is very uh, rural. And yeah. so in the rural areas, yeah. you always have that, that super closed-minded conservative mindset. And they don't not move to the cities. They just only move to the city in their hometown. So they still don't get that world view and they still have that small town perspective. So yeah, we do have like Boise is a great perspective, uh, progressive city. So is Missoula, Montana. Like you would, Yay, would really expect yeah. that, but you go outside <laughs> of any little town around there. Aren't you from Montana? Um, well, no. So I grew up in, out in the Seattle area, um, but oh, I went okay. to grad school in Missoula. Oh, so I was right. there for three years. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yep, I was there for three years straight, so I remember how like bustling and exciting it feels during the school year, and then as soon as summer hits, it's just a ghost town. Like there's no yeah. one in that city after school lets out. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's crazy. But it's a nice. I wanted to recap off that that story though by saying that like I really appreciate the triumph out of out of all of that that happened because you could even see that maybe like going into porn is is like okay you fell apart because of the police but then you like went even lower because of porn <laughs> yeah. but it's really not that way like going into it i thought porn was this like very deviant kind of negative thing there's so much good coming from the porn industry the adult entertainment yeah. industry adult entertainers um, because they have their own sovereignty now they're not tied to the studios or to any other like power mm-hmm. that be yeah we're like, taking they control have the sovereignty to do what they want and what's what's powerful yeah and so it's really cool that this specific experience put us into a position where we now have a platform 
in an industry where we actually have power. <laughs> so yeah. Weird. Because we didn't, you know, if we if this happened 10 years ago, we wouldn't have that power. We'd be slaves to the studios making nothing. Mm. But like mm -hmm. that specific situation. And now we have something that we can fight the police and the system with. Like we have followers, we have a story, we have a message. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's an exciting industry in general because um, I mean, I guess you get a little of it in the rest of the entertainment industry, but specifically in the adult entertainment industry, there's so much um, emphasis put on kind of taking control for yourself and being um, in control of your own body and having being able to make your voice heard through yeah. yourself. And there's it's it's exciting. I mean, there there are certain aspects of it that like myself as a fat person I get I feel need some work <laughs> but in general like I have a, yeah. I have a lot of friends who are in the adult the adult video industry and it just um it's exciting and and hearing the things that are that are happening is exciting yeah and yeah and even it's really that, cool like, because there's like who... um with, uh, <laughs> I wanted to come on. I, hold on uh, I wanted to say that with people who do have that like uh what's it called disenfranchised or like mm -hmm. unrepresented um position like that's where it's so cool that we have only fans and just for fans and other whatever other like platform people are doing their own thing so many other niches are able to pop up so many other people are being able to be represented and that's yeah. forcing the studios to represent them so it's, we're starting to see that happen. It's not great yet, but you're right. It needs a lot of work right now, but I think because of where we are, that work can happen. Yeah, yeah. completely. What were you gonna say, guys? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say that there, um, something that I love about the porn industry too, is that they, like, it, it sucks that we get so much scrutiny, but I, and have you seen those t-shirts that say, porn ruined my relationship? They're like, there's this like whole situation like I think it's like this whole group that said like porn ruined my relationship or whatever. They think that it like is killing relationships and like um, people are more promiscuous now because of like the rise of um, the fan sites and porn and everything. But in the time that we've been in the industry, I feel like it's done nothing but made our relationship better because we're forced to have those hard conversations about what we're going to be doing mm -hmm. with somebody else outside of our relationship where I'm a person that doesn't know how to talk or I don't know how to communicate my feelings um, openly really well. So mm -hmm. I have to, f I have to find out how I can communicate my feelings um, with my partner. If I want to have a successful relationship, because like we started, we were in a relationship before we got into the industry. So it's very important that we hold that relationship above anything else. And um, all the, especially like all the fame and the fortune, like all the, everything that comes from being in the industry, it's so easy to like, want to go like do whatever you want to do and just let your person go. Or it can be for some people, but for us, we, it's done nothing but made us open the floodgates of communication. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I, I don't understand the people who are like, oh, porn is ruining society. Oh, porn is doing this, oh, porn is doing that. I'm like, First off, <laughs> all of these things have been like fetishes and fantasies and whatever since the dawn of time. Let's just yeah put that out there. Like, if you don't think that Shakespeare was doing bondage, then you're 
just an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you're watching it too, Mary. Yeah, exactly. But then also just, um, oh shoot, I don't even remember where I was, my brain literally farted right there. Just, well, it's uh, been around forever. It. Porn it's, and absolutely. entertainment. I mean, it's not like it's a new thing that's happening. No. We're just finding new mediums for it. One of my favorite Twitter accounts is called Horrors of Yore. And it's like, <laughs> it goes and finds, they find like, like pieces of pottery from like, uh, BCE like 3000 or something like that oh and they're like God. here's a picture of two men having sex or like Yay. here's this illustration <laughs> from the 1800s of like this position and like it's really it's people who think that any of this is new just have their head in the sand <laughs> yeah and I yeah. feel like a lot of it comes from um, well in my some research that I did for a paper that I wrote in college about circumcision it feels like a lot of what um, the ideals that come from like the keeping the society pure mm. is, it comes from church and religion, yeah, yeah. and it comes from like that like uh, being afraid of like sexual deviance. Yeah, um, comes from churches and stuff. So it, I feel like if we can get to a point where people can have their faith and enjoy their faith, I don't want people to not enjoy their faith. It's not my faith. I want to have my own faith. <laughs> and I don't want to like push mine on you and I don't want to like run your life. Like, I feel like once we get to a point like that, then we will begin to like fight things that actually really matter. Well, and I think it also goes back to, I mean, people don't seem to think about the fact of how the U S itself like came to be and who created it with the Puritans and the, uh, the pilgrims were kicked out by two countries because they were so insanely conservative like both england and the netherlands said no we don't want you here you're hateful and you're awful please leave (laughs) so they came over and and created exactly and they created this colony that was like we're all about repression and conservatism and that's where we are like you look at the rest of the world and movies uh, in Europe are rated for violence rather than sex and in the US right. movies are rated for sex rather than violence it's a very yeah. strange dichotomy it yeah. really is and i don't really understand it and i've um recently drawn those parallels too like it just like these people were kicked out of their country because they were crazy and they came to another country and stole all the land and made it <laughs> the the right white place to live yeah like it's crazy but we don't teach it like I wonder that way. We, no we don't <laughs> think, no do you think that they're do you think we can all coexist do you think we can not have do you think we can all get along i think i saw something that um i can't remember who i think it was like malcolm x or something or no rodney king mm-hmm. he said a quote that he said something it was like can we get along like he was really like asking is like, can we as a people really get along? Like, is segregation the best? Or, like, we need to be a country for every color? <laughs> I think segregation is great if we put all of us white people over in one place and just leave us there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop infecting everybody. Yeah. <laughs> hate in pure, Puritan ways. Yeah. But and I, then if you want to immigrate out, then you can immigrate out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to be in the cards unless we have a huge overhaul of the system. There are just too many systems. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like we've been talking about the the police system is was created specifically to endorse racism and to yeah. 
um, make sure that non-white people were quote unquote staying within the lines. And um, our, our country's ideals have always been repression as far back as we can go. Um, what, what have your experiences been more um, personally within the adult entertainment world in terms of like specific situations that you've been in that have helped you grow or that were fun or funny or any kind of that kind of situation? Sexual like exploration <laughs> has been a really interesting thing to learn through porn because like um, when you're on set, you it's a lot of stop and go, stop and go. So you have to watch a lot of porn to stay hard. Um, so you typically on, uh, when you go for a Sean Feather shoot, you're probably watching porn for like eight hours straight, two days in a row. So after a while, things don't like, so just get you off. quarantine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, quarant yes. quarantine. Yes, not quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so they, so something that like I have found that started to turn me on is like fisting. Fisting used to always scare the shit out of me whenever I'd come across around Pornhub. Now I'm like, ooh, this is kind of interesting. And then now, like it's it's gone in levels. Like my, I feel like my sexual exploration has gone in levels. It's mm -hmm. great. Yeah, it's interesting because now I'm afraid of his fist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's true. You, I mean, I don't want to call it desensitization, but it's like it's like you op you're cause you're open to exploring more i think and that's that's been really nice because i still get off with ricky just as easily you know having our normal vanilla sex it's not like i have to go he has to go fist somebody for me to get off or whatever because it's not <laughs> me i'm not gonna fix it yeah, it's been fun just in general getting to know that everybody not everybody but that it is a normal company you know it's a normal industry it's just like going to work and like the people that we're there with are fun some of them are assholes some of them are users like of people and some of them are really kind generous giving you know it's not like you can paint the paint it with a one brush which is another thing that's mm -hmm. I guess maybe opened mine at least or maybe our eyes to accepting people or not judging people right off the bat um, it's just being mm -hmm. in the industry and seeing all the different places that people come from or places people go from being there. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I remember another when I was... for me... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I was going to say another one for me has been my um, fashion risks that I take have, like, I, I'm so risky. I will do anything. Now, um, before, I used to be so afraid because I, I've done drag. I do drag. I do makeup. I like do it all. Like I don't feel uncomfortable being like showing my feminine side. I feel mm -hmm. super comfortable showing that now, but back then. And when I, I think I said, I mentioned about my brain surgery, I was going through this period of like wanting to fit it, fit the mold of what society told me I had to be. And as a gay person, you're often told that you have to have a ripped body. You have to be perfect. Like, you have you want to look like a, a type a perfect beautiful alpha man um so when i started doing porn i kept my, my my drag and my makeup and my femininity separate from porn i never wanted to cross the two paths because i didn't want to i i talked it up before i used to say oh i don't want to um mess up my money that's going to come in all just mm -hmm. to like show some self-expression now i'm like fuck that like no i was just being afraid that was me afraid i 
that person did not know what he was talking about. Um, now I'm, I'm more like, okay with showing whatever I want. And if fans want to unfollow me for showing my feminine side, which is myself, then I don't need their money. I don't need them as fans. I don't need them to follow me. Yeah. That's not what I need. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly, it was when we went to the first rec- or the second red carpet event, I wanted to like, where, or no, the first red carpet event was a Pornhub Awards. I wanted to wear something fucking cool mm-hmm. because I had all these fashion ideas, but um, I was told that I had to wear cocktail attire. So black, um, like basically like tux style. Mm-hmm. and then I get to the award show and there's these people dressed in all this fucking cool shit and I was like man babe I could have been wearing that it's oh, like the category was challenge the status quo <laughs> yeah and I was so pissed I was like okay never again I'm never gonna listen to that so the next award show I went to I went all out a little bit more and like now I'm more excited like I feel like I've gotten levels with that too. Like and now I'm even I'm getting crazier. I shop mainly in the women's section for tops and mm. then men's section for bottoms. That's <laughs> awesome. I do the opposite. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've I've honestly I've had yeah. people full on because I there was a time and I'm not opposed to it in the future, but there was a time when I was really um curious and interested in trying out porn and doing some OnlyFans stuff and like either in drag or out of drag and I was like I know I'm a body type that's not really out there and a body type that's not really seen very often and I know there's a demand for it and so I started reaching out to some people that I knew and had OnlyFans and was like hey would you be interested in having me either in or out of drag and they'd be like oh I don't want to lose fans I was just like uh ouch that's That's not annoying to me that we well, that actually that, that's another thing that's like huge with the OnlyFans stuff too is um, people have that say that a lot to people that are fat, people that are um, of color, or um, old, really feminine guys. Mm, yeah, like they don't want to have really feminine. No, fat, femmes, Asians, queens, nothing. So we don't want humans. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> and black, black is a big one. Black is a big one that a lot of white performers will not um, film with black um, performers because they're afraid that they will lose all their racist fans. Good. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's how I see I it. I like, even have racist fans at this point. Like anymore, I'm just like <laughs> yeah. I don't care what I post. I don't care who I like. What I say, as long as I stand behind it. If I lose yeah. a fan or lose a follower because of it, great. I didn't need them in yeah. the first place. Exactly. But here's another, you know, example of that same thing on the flip side. Um, you know, I've been offered to do a film with, or I've been asked, you know, to do something content with some uh, a transgender woman or transgender man, sorry. Um, and if I'm not, that's not my, I'm not really completely into that. It doesn't necessarily make me uncomfortable, but like. I don't stand by that and I put that on my page it's all like that would to me feel like a clout chasing thing because there are a lot of people who want like want to see that but I don't want to put that on there and like chase a niche or like a kink that you know for just for the clout or something yeah fetishizing somebody because you know like I felt bad for turning them down like ah am I an asshole because I don't want to be with a transgender man but I'm, am I an asshole if I do it just because I could post it and get you know a ton of likes? 
but hmm. I, I don't know. That's kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's so a tough. Just, it's a tough subject. Like it really is because there's so many. Like it's you're talking about touchy things that people are really sensitive about too. Hmm. You know. Well, and it's especially fetish. Fet, let's see if I can actually say this word: fetishization. Um, <laughs> within the porn industry it's a hard one and it's it's a difficult subject too especially within the porn industry because you want to be inclusive and you want to have all voices heard and all people seen and you want to represent people Mm -hmm. but you also don't want to be like oh my god we're just gonna do this kind of person because like they're hotter than everyone else because they're different and blah 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 because that starts becoming uncomfortable as well yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't want that either. <laughs> and see, like, my thing is that I, so I am attracted to um, transgender men. Um, I've never had sex with, sex with a woman before. I've never experienced a vagina, but I am attracted to them. But I also feel very, like, I feel very protective about um, doing something, like asking somebody that's not a performer to do a video with me or even somebody that is a performer because I don't I honestly do not want anybody to ever think that I'm fetishizing at all mm. um, but then I also want to show the fans the things that I'm actually really into you know yeah did, so that's do really you think that's something that that could be fixed with destigmatization like do you think I think so yes like it could it could come across as um fetishizing if people are are stigmatized towards certain parts of the mm-hmm. population and so they they see you doing like one video with someone who's trans and they're like oh well they're just using them as a fetish because they mm-hmm. have their own natural bi- or not natural their own biases against certain people groups yeah uh, i definitely like think that's a good point to make yeah what were you gonna say that whole, what's, there's a word like um, I was gonna say that in that whole, whole like topic of unconscious bias, mm-hmm. like a whole other thing to talk. <laughs> oh yeah, everybody that's... has these <laughs> unconscious biases mm-hmm. like, that we use to make, yeah. make um, microaggressions and aggressions against mm-hmm. people like that. When we're like this conversation we're having right now could easily just not be thought of. You know, it's like people mm-hmm. do these things every day. They reject or accept things yeah. and do things like that every day without even thinking about the consequences. It's just an unconscious bias that you have towards it. Yeah, I definitely. I, I like your idea that like whole point of um, of de- like normalizing normalizing people that are trans. Like, I, it should be normal that people mm-hmm. are like trans people are people. Like, it yeah. should not be just because they do a video. It's, I mean, it shouldn't be a fetish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think. Oh, oh yeah. Speaking oh. of that, I have this on. Come on, Black Trans Lives Matter. <laughs> yes um (laughs) am i i literally was i was gonna say something and it went away again this is how i know that one one pot of french press coffee isn't enough every day apparently (laughs) (laughs) um but i was a roommate (laughs) (laughs) i just need to start working at starbucks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. need to go back yeah. to work at Starbucks. Oh, I miss espresso. Uh, I bet. Yeah, our, our roommate, roommate has moved in with an espresso some... machine. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, so <laughs> what 
Um, what advice would you give to people who are thinking of going, going into the adult industry and who maybe are scared in terms of um, how they'll be received, how, how they'll be perceived by society, that kind of thing? I think um, before you go into it, think a lot. Think for a couple of months before doing it. Don't do it like on whim. I mean, that's a, at least that's like what we did. Um, because you have to think about your future and what you're going to do, because no matter how much we want it to change, society is always going to view us as sexual deviants. For right mm -hmm. now, I mean, there are a lot of uh, sex workers or um, adult entertainers that are um, doing the work to try to normalize the sex, sex industry. Um, but just always keep in mind that that's going to be something that could be taken away and you could get in trouble for it. Yeah. But also... Try to do your, I wish I would have done a little bit more research on the industry, like the different um, studios and try to fit, pick one that you kind of align with the, the type of content that they're putting out, the type of mm. ways that they're, the way that they're using the models that look like you. Yeah. Um, it's really important to know that because, and always re, like get yourself ready to be scrutinized because all of your your body is going to be shown to the world like mm. no matter how many like people are watching or aren't watching like it's out there for people to see and it's going to be out there forever so make sure that you have a good relationship with your psyche and mental health because those comments can hurt really bad and they dig deep right yeah, that's, that's a good time to say oh, i was gonna say now's a good time to do research on studios too because you can go back and look at their twitter feeds and such and instagrams post the mm -hmm. whole start of this wave of the black lives matter movement and what they've said and how they've acted since it's a it's an easy time to do that kind of research <laughs> yeah yeah yep it is you can see exactly like where people's real intentions lie right like in these mm -hmm. next months because most studios are just getting back to production right now but yeah. like ours isn't even getting back to production until next month um but i, I did want to say i uh, when you first asked this question um, it reminded me of a of a fellow adult entertainer um, I was following on Twitter. I follow on Twitter, and I just saw this post today about mental health and how like how much it's changed for him since joining the industry. Um, and this I used to be a talent director for uh, just a talent agency, just you know regular uh, entertainment. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we, I would always tell models like you know you need to know who you are before you get into this industry. Like you should know the things that are great about you, the things that are your weaknesses that you need to work on. You should know, you know, know yourself in and out, not through somebody else's eyes, but through your own eyes. Like, and that's really hard to tell a 14 year old girl who wants to be a runway model. Like a 14 year old girl <laughs> generally doesn't know how, who she is, but, and that's a scary industry for a 14 year old girl to be in because you're going to be used. You're going to be tossed around. You're going to be traded. You're going, you are basically an object to hold clothing. And that's the same thing in yeah. the porn industry, maybe 10 times fold, you know, like you are really just an object for these people. You are here to be used. Most of the time they laugh at how stupid they believe you are. Like yeah. you are not really a human to them. And so you need to accept that and then just do what you want to do in the industry. Go into it for your reasons and never forget that. What are your reasons for being there? Who are you? Don't let them tell you who, that you're somebody else. Don't let anybody tell you there's somebody else. And if you don't know that yet, don't go because... I feel like we really weren't ready for it when we started, but mm -hmm. having each other, we can have those conversations. We can go through so much of that psychological work that it takes to get there together and with our, our loving families and 
people here who support us. But a lot of people who get in the industry are not, they don't have a lot of people who love them. That's a lot of times what they're looking for. And then they also mm -hmm. don't have a lot of other skills. So they just are trying to do something. So like th those are all the reasons you shouldn't be in porn. You should not be mm -hmm. in it because you're looking for something to do. You need a way to make money. You don't have anybody else who loves you. Why not do it? Because nobody else cares. Like those are the reasons why you should go work at McDonald's. Psychologist or <laughs> talk to a counselor. Yeah, work somewhere else. Do work Uber, at Starbucks. Uber Eats <laughs> and listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah work at Starbucks. Yeah, work at Starbucks. There's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember growing up, I had two dreams when I was a little kid. I was a very let's preface this by saying I was a very strange little kid. I was a very repressed, homeschooled little kid who had access to America Online, right? <laughs> um, and uh, I should say AOL, the AOL browser before 5.0, because that was the first one that, that kept its history on it. Everything else just wiped the history every time you closed the browser. Oh, the good old days. But uh, my dreams when I was a very little kid, I had two dreams. One was to be on the real world which uh <laughs> not a dream anymore <laughs> um and then the second was to be friends with porn stars because when i was little i just saw porn stars as being like these super cool sex sexual people and that was like their entire life and and i didn't have any access to like having healthy conversations about it so in my mind it was just people who always had sex all the time and that was it and that was their entire personality. And it wasn't until I started drag and like started hanging out with people at bars who did porn that I was like, wait, these are some of the coolest people on the planet. Like I've <laughs> never, never met people who are more real and open and like understanding. And um, it's a really cool industry and it's full of a lot of really cool people. Of course, they're assholes. They're assholes in any industry. Yeah. But, but uh, so many users. Yeah, but something I've learned is when you spend time with people in the sex industry in any way, shape, or form, it, it's it's an industry that kind of allows you to be yourself in a really cool way, um, mm -hmm. and and take charge of yourself and and grab life by the horns. Especially yeah. right now with the way that yeah. the porn industry is evolving, it's so awesome to be a part of the evolution of it because we're becoming our own studios and we're higher it's starting to get to a point where we can hire the production teams rather than that production teams hiring porn stars yeah that's really so cool before they used to like really push us around for how much we can make and now it's we're in this point of like at the crux of well you guys don't really aren't really doing much for us we can buy our own marketing team so no <laughs> I have my yeah. own marketing team. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? It's funny Vivian? I'd like to say as you you mentioned like you were talking about your two goals and you also talked about AOL. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I was I was thinking you were gonna talk about that you used to message porn stars because no, no, no. I have to tell you, <laughs> messages that we get though from our fans are some of the best and worst things that happen because yeah, you, you can't take them to heart. You can't take them to heart because <laughs> they, 
there's so much bad that you know there's so much haters that like if you take mm. the good ones to heart then the haters hit you harder but when you listen to the good ones like a lot of it are just like young kids who don't have that guidance who mm. don't know and they think that my whole life is just having sex and being sexual and all the things <laughs> so um i'd like to say that it's definitely not and usually they see that after we talk for a while but um I love answering their questions and mm. yeah, I think there needs to be an outlet for that. And on my Instagram, I started, I started putting that because I was getting so many messages. I would like write, you know, people would be like, how did you, why did you join porn? How did you meet Ricky? What's your guys relationship like? So I started writing those stories and fantasy stuff, but then people were a lot of just basic questions like, um, how do you douche and like how do i like mm-hmm. it hurts so bad at the bottom i do it and make it look like you do you know and so <laughs> i'm starting to like dive into more of those things too to help my followers and other people who are in the gay community who just want that regular like he's like I, a person in the porn industry just tell them how to do it <laughs> so yeah there's definitely that yeah. still there <laughs> yeah and i think um there's there's something to be said for the for making sure that you're supporting your friends when they're in the adult industry. Um, I happen to have a lot of friends in the adult industry, partially just because drag and sex tend to, tend to mesh a lot. Less. We tend they to be around each other. <laughs> um, and honestly, I love OnlyFans because I don't even have to open it up and I can just like, basically tip my friends once a month. Like, yeah, let me support you. I'll just subscribe and never open it. But, <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's a really cool new world that we're in. And especially right now during the pandemic, things like OnlyFans and Just For Fans and stuff like that are letting people continue to make money while so many other industries just yeah. there's no opportunity at all like there's the reason I it's feel so bad. the oldest profession <laughs> i feel so bad for some of the models yeah. that i've met that um haven't managed their finances well who mm. have um not done like a lot to market themselves well who haven't been adults about the adult entertainment <laughs> industry um a lot of those like i feel i worry and like i've been donating to some of the things because we did do I mean, we're, um, Johnny mentioned before, we're fortunate enough to have each other mm-hmm. um, in each other's um, back, having each other's back saying like, oh, babe, don't take that deal. Maybe we should like think about this one more. Like yeah. navigating through the industry can be so hard to do on your own. I mean, it's like a lot of um, kids, I call them because they're like 18, 19 years old. Um, a lot of kids come into the industry and think that it's going to be something that it's not. And they blow all their stuff on strippers and money and and alcohol and, and, and clothes and, and yeah. car, we, alcohol or not alcohol but drugs and like crazy i mean i'm not judging anybody do your drugs but be smart <laughs> about it. like save yeah. some money yeah save some yeah. money i literally i i make fun of myself for this a lot too but like i'm so anal about saving money that i don't think i bought like new regular clothes for myself in like four or five <laughs> years just like yeah. I'll I'll just yeah. wear the same like four t-shirts. I mean, I'll, obviously I wash too. them, but but that's the thing is I buy yeah. mostly like fabric and I make all of my drag and like <laughs> yeah. Vivian's closet is so much better than my closet. Like I've had people be <laughs> oh, like, let's true. go out to dinner yeah. or like like pre-COVID, like let's go like see a musical or something. I'm like, I can't dress up for that. 
because I have baggy <laughs> jeans and t-shirts. So, so I'm going in drag. I'm going in drag. <laughs> I had to go to the opera in drag one time because someone was like, I have a ticket. Do you want to go? I was like, sure. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's a perfect way to go to the opera, though. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the only way to go to the opera. I mean, drag. truly, though. And the best part was that it's like, I mean, you go to the opera anymore and it's mostly elderly people in the audience. And so I was a little worried about going in drag. And literally every old lady was just like, you look so Living. beautiful. Like, <laughs> like, I love your makeup. Your outfit is so lovely. I was like, who are these old women? I love this. <laughs> Eater queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess what I've learned from this conversation is I'm starting an OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> expect my call. <laughs> yeah, be your own boss. <laughs> um, where can <laughs> where can people find you both online? You go ahead, babe. Um, okay, so I am at Johnny Donovan with three N's on instagram and twitter and then um uh only fans if you're nasty <laughs> and just fans well only fans we have a joint account that we do all of our couple stuff together and that's um johnny underscore ricky b but then we both have our own just for fans which are just our twitter handles the johnny donovan with three n's okay and then yeah, and mine is um at ricky donovan r-i-c-k-y d-o-n-o-v-a-n with three N's um, <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, and just for fans. And then on OnlyFans, we just have our shared one. Oh, and we're, we recently started a, a um, porn hub. Yes. Our um, individual <laughs> porn hub account. Because, which because porn hub was posting the, our stuff anyway, so we might as well make money <laughs> off of it. <laughs> yeah. Good so old we're, it's the same as our Twitter and um, Instagram handles, uh, Ricky Donovan and Johnny Donovan with three N. Awesome. And I'll put all of that information in the description box so that people can see it too. Um, and then Yay. as always, you can find all of our podcast information and my personal information also in the description box. Thank you both for, for sitting down with me today. It was wonderful to actually get to like talk for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's so great talking cool. to you. It's been so long and we've missed each other a couple of times because we've gone to New York and yeah. I feel like there's another time <laughs> that we missed each other somewhere else. I, yeah, who knows? I was traveling way too much last year. <laughs> yeah. Long story. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, but. but all right, thank you so much and thank you to everyone for yeah, listening bye. and we'll see you all later. Bye. Yeah, bye. Love you. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to Yeah But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week, same place, same time.